Welcome to the Brian Piergrossi Podcast, the podcast community for living your best life and creating a more beautiful world. Each episode, we inquire into the frontiers of inner peace, love, freedom, creativity, and empowerment with authors, artists, musicians, healers, spiritual teachers, yogis, activists, revolutionaries, entrepreneurs, comedians, scientists, psychologists, poets, mystics, and you. These conversations are unedited and always 100% authentic to how they happen. I'm your host, personal coach and author Brian Piergrossi. I've worked for over 13 years with thousands of people around the world to break through unconscious limiting belief systems and bring healing, transformation, and inspired manifestation to those who are ready and interested. For online personal sessions with me or in-person sessions with me in the magic of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, contact me at thebigglow.com. The sponsor of this podcast is you. If you appreciate our community, become a patron supporter at patreon.com slash thebigglow. Welcome, everybody, to the Brian Piergrossi Podcast. That's me. Really, really happy to have Thesa Sophia joining me. It's a real treat. Hi, Thesa. Hey. <laughs> so I was thinking that yeah. way back sometime long ago, some different lifetime, we had this idea of having our own podcast. Remember that? With yeah. Sarah Sutherland? Yeah. With us? yeah. Wild Awake. We had like a little, and we actually recorded a few. We didn't, we didn't technologically, I don't know. We got out too many. We should What's, still use that name for something. We should still use that name for something. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, that's a great name. Wild Awake. So, yeah, maybe we can get Wild Awake right now and, and just kind of emulate that out to the, to the collective. Um, I was thinking also of this memory that sticks in my mind. I was just actually out at Weaver Park, I believe it's called, in North Asheville. And there's a track that I walk. I'm like a senior citizen. I just like walk the track sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why am I just walking this track? Something about it is kind of like just kind of rhythmic. Yeah. It's just going around and around. Um, but uh, I called you, and this was like March of this year and you know we hadn't really talked for a little bit because I'd been in Thailand and stuff and mm -hmm. got back in Asheville and I was like what what do you make of all this like lockdowns and like you know mandates and coronavirus media everywhere and and we we got into it and it was you know as you so often are for me you're like sort of like this confirmation that I'm saying you know that's like okay <laughs> someone else someone else sees things the way I do um, but you were talking about how you saw the coronavirus as this kind of force of evolution, right? Is that, can you, you want to talk about like how you see it in the, in the larger kind of macro context of things? Maybe before we go to that, actually, 
for people that don't know you know you maybe kind of share like you know what you are what you do and you know right yeah hmm well i meditate with people and the the simple description of that uh process that i kind of walk through together with people is is really experiencing the body so all of the sensory experience that comes with the body you know physical sensation emotions thoughts with an attitude of acceptance allowance and surrender and then feeling in addition to that what is completely still or non-sensory in relationship to the body noticing any separation between the two of them in space like often people will experience what's still or void or absolute as behind them or in in a small space in their heart or 15 billion miles away if they're really you know upset about something um and and really just putting awareness on these things allows them to go through the process of unfolding which brings them together in space it's a it's a way to work toward wholeness and part of that process when they start to really come together there's the challenge of noticing that really what keeps them apart is a sense of me so having the opportunity to visit the qualities of that me with the acceptance allowance and surrender together with the stillness what that does is when there's a willingness for me to be different the sensory experience just changes into something more coherent um and so you can use it you know it's very simple but i use it to explore everything with people from trauma healing to the existential questions of the nature of the self to uh, healing physical issues, working with viruses, bacteria, you know, everything. Like, um, it's kind of my, the tool that covers the whole gamut for me. Yeah, I love the way you articulate that. And it's, you know, the reason that we, we resonate so deeply is it's exactly the same, it's different languaging. And in fact, I would say, wow, that's, you said that really well. That's what I was feeling while you said that. But it's the same intention that I have with my work too. So there's this like really deep resonance and we share and we're really good, you know, kind of reflections and confirmations for each other of, of things that are arising in the world. So yes, from this place of stillness, from this place of um, this, this deeper level of awakened consciousness, how does that look then with this, with the virus, with the coronavirus coming in and um, talk a little bit about like how you see it, which may be a little bit different than how the media is right yeah well my view of it at the time i still have the same experience that it's really a growth point for the collective um and then five months ago to now my the details of that have kind of matured and unfolded and shown themselves in these amazing ways so I was just talking, I had a friend here just a minute ago, and I was talking about how this period of time is really on the collective. It used to be secret, this thing, like 
expanding who we are in relationship to virus and bacteria, for example. It used to be like, oh, the people who would come to me for a session were interested in that, but not really the collective. But now it's like in the face of the collective is how I see it. And what I'm looking at in the past year or two is this opportunity for us to really revisit who am I in relationship to uh, a bacteria, in relationship to a virus. It's not just that this one bacteria, this one bacteria is kind of like the window, the invitation. Yeah. And because it's happening in the collective, it's, it's the invitation for everybody right now, which makes it a, an even bigger window. And what happens is when you turn inward and ask, who am I in relationship to this? It, there's, there's an amazing reality that's, re, that's waiting to birth through the unfolding that that inquiry takes us into. And it's, it's about, for me, becoming... Um, adaptive to our environment more and more quickly. So a virus or a bacteria, I'm, I'm including bacteria because I personally in the past two years have been kind of tangling with a bacteria <laughs> off and on in my own process of this. So this was happening for me as COVID came up and I recognized it immediately like, oh, Okay, the, the bacteria comes in, I get sick, I go through a process of healing myself, and then I'm gain, I've gained something from that. And I, I've entered a, a space of greater power and greater freedom from my environment because I am more intimate with my environment. And the more intimate I am with my environment, the, the more easily that I can adapt to it and we're moving together and we move together in harmony, whether that's with the people or the electromagnetic field of the earth, which is changing right now, the sun, uh, my house, you know, every level of the environment. So, so I'm seeing this as a beautiful challenge for people to become more intimate actually with their environment. And it makes sense that, through an initiation that is asking for more intimacy and adaptability, we have to deal with things like stay away from me. You know, <laughs> the, the, the challenges to getting closer and knowing yourself further are what seems like the opposite of that, you know, um, isolation, stay away from me. I'm afraid of you. This bug is going to get me. It's going to kill me. Death, all the things all the things around death have to come up. And until we allow ourselves to die over and over again, uh, we won't be able to shift and move and adapt in ways because really what death is, is, is this a self that's going, I need to stay like this and I need to be this who I am here is not going to be able to move with, something that feels contrary to it, right? So until that one dies or experiences death, which is why it's not moving, it's afraid to die, it's sitting here going, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I'm worried. I'm gonna. When there's this willingness for it to melt, like what's underneath it that's true about the self and is fluid becomes apparent and this one falls away. And then the one, the thing that about us that's fluid 
begins to dance with the environment instead of like isolate itself. Beautiful. So, so yeah, it's like, it's like a, what we would, there, there's almost like a different story of how you can approach it or a different consciousness of how you can approach virus or bacteria or illness or sickness. And I think there's this, the kind of the, the mainstream view is these are all things to avoid, to stay away from, to at all costs, no matter what, you know, it's like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is to get sick. But uh -huh. Certainly for me, from my personal journey and from what you've shared with me and I, for many other people that I've connected with, what we could call sickness or illness is like an evolutionary upgrade. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's taking you on a journey, almost like a shamanic journey at times, yeah. right? It's taking you on this journey and you come out in a, in a in, you could say a higher level of consciousness or a deeper level of consciousness or uh, I like how you said like a more intimate level of, of conscious connection to the truth of who you are that's probably a good way of saying it than you did before so it's like from a larger perspective it's kind of like you kind of recognize well everything is actually for my benefit you know everything is actually giving me the exact lesson to take me where i'm called to go or to show me the spot that is um not visible to me the unconscious belief system the shadow to bring that to the light and i'm, I'm being given exactly what is is called for to bring me into this um level of um uh illumination you know to, to give me the lesson that's there to go and so we kind of look at what we could call sickness or illness not that we're seeking it out but that we there's this dance of like understanding that that's here for a reason or that's here for a lesson and it's going to bring me into this deeper level of the evolution of my consciousness I mean, that attitude is paramount to me. It's the difference between the paradigm of the medical, conventional medical system that's happening right now versus what a lot of the outside of that paradigm um, people have. And the, and the attitude, what it does is it allows the unfolding and the up-leveling and the, the dying and the rebirthing to happen Whereas if you, if there isn't that attitude, if the attitude is stop the sickness, don't do it, then the whole initiation doesn't get to unfurl. And then we never, we don't move to the next level of power because we're trying to stop the whole process with the idea that sickness is bad. Like you said, so cut it out or take a pill, make it go away. All of this does more than just block the physiology. It stops the consciousness from having the unfolding that is available to it through that mm -hmm. process. Yeah, I'm thinking it like thinking of it like this too of um I like the way the different kind of um philosophical approaches or the ways that people look at health. Ancient Chinese medicine, not the current Chinese medicine, but the ancient Chinese um talk about balance. You know, and when the, when you're out of balance, that's when there's sickness or illness. Right. So then if you think about it, it's like if we're on this evolutionary path of consciousness, we're kind of, you know, pushing new barriers, you know, exploring, exploring new areas, um, pushing different edges. And so we're as we're evolving, we're, we're taking in new information. We're taking in new information psychologically, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And as we're taking on this new information, we could get out of balance. You yeah. Know? So then it's like, 
then it's time, okay, the body needs to rebalance itself, you know, and that's, and as the body rebalance, it's like an integration process. The body is rebalancing, integrating, then, it, then it's rebalancing, but it's not rebalancing at the old level. It's yeah. rebalancing at a new you, at a new level. I think this is the key thing for people to get. Yeah, I agree, because then it shows how being unbalanced is actually a gift, because mm. it's the doorway into the next level of balance, which is also the next level of growth or, or power. You could say the next level of power. Mm -hmm. And then this kind of holistic understanding of what's happening, the mind, the body, the emotions, the, the spiritual uh, unfoldment, you know, all these components are interconnected, interrelated. And I think this is, this is where I see, I would say, if I see a difference between how people are viewing um, what's happening with the, with the coronavirus, there's, there's those that have uh, a holistic understanding of health, a holistic understanding of consciousness, of life, and those that are, have this kind of compartmentalization which is, which is for the most part, the, the medical, you know, the mainstream medical paradigm still, though we see that shifting, but it feels like that, that shift in consciousness is what's being called forth right now. And, and it's, what is good, because you're making me think about positive things, like people that actually, I'm not, like, I wasn't aware of Dr. Zach Bush, you know, before this, and then you introduced me to him, and now I see him all over the place with friends and stuff. And there's a lot of people whose voices weren't, really that out there before that now people are having to turn to them to yeah. find out kind of get a better kind of get a deeper sense of what actually is happening and a better understanding of you know themselves and and uh, what's happening in the world yeah i love his holistic view of not just like the health of the human body but the planet mm. how they're interrelated it this conversation reminds me of children and the illnesses that we have as children like i have a four-year-old you know sia and she's very healthy but four-year-olds get these illnesses like sometimes she'll just get a fever for seemingly you know who knows why mm -hmm. <laughs> get fever and then she'll get a cold and then she gets better you know or when she was a kid she would have a cough that seemed extreme to me because i was her mother but the whole thing the, the point is, each time that she would go through an illness, I would notice, oh, she's getting like a new level of language, mm -hmm. or her brain is now working in a new way, or her body is working in a new way. And that we can kind of get in, parents usually notice that with their kids. But what struck me was, oh, what if we're still doing that? Just because we grow up, and get out of the child phase doesn't mean that we're not always adapting to our environment and, and leveling up. And when I think about it like that, it's much easier to relax into the beauty of there's a gift being offered through an illness. Yeah, I, I, I texted yesterday that I was, I was checking out, I think his name is Dr. Cowan, the contagion myth. Thomas Cowan, yeah. yeah. And he was making this exact point. I didn't listen to the whole podcast yet, but he was making this point about how it's actually really valuable for young children to have these illnesses and experience them. And that's what creates the immunity um, right. and, build, and builds the immune system, you know, stronger and stronger. And he talked about how actually having a fever is a really good thing. You know, that's, that's a sign the body is actually healthy, that the body knows how to address um, imbalances that, that arise 
And when you think about it, it's like, it makes perfect sense. Like if the body is, is, is using this as a, as a, uh, a fever to, to rebalance itself, to, to release things that need to be let go of toxins and so forth, then why would you want to stop a fever and bring it down? You know, obviously you don't want to go too far where someone dies, but like, you know, to kind of, so kind of keep an eye on it, but just, it's like, I guess the deeper point here is like, there is this like, and it's almost like emotional for me feeling into it. Like there is this intelligence to the body, you know, like it's so brilliant and it like knows what to do. And then this kind of thinking mind comes in and, and it's like, no, you know, because it, no, it has to be, you know, the should and should and then right and wrong and try to tries to get in there and, and just doesn't trust that intelligence. And it feels like that's a big component of this is just learning to like trust the intelligence of the body which requires being present and being able to really have a deep relationship with what is um, in this moment. Yeah. So, so this is an exciting part of what's been revealed for me through this process of investigation since coronavirus has come up specifically. And it's really like, I wanted to know what is that intelligence, the intelligence that runs the body and who is it? or what am I in relationship to it? And that this, I haven't been asking this question just since coronavirus. It's been one of the major questions, you know, but with coronavirus, it's, it's really like a specific inquiry of <laughs> what creates immunity? Like, what is it? What, what makes my body decide, okay, this thing I can handle and this thing I can't. Uh, this is a pathogen or something that, going to bring me out of balance and this one is fine it's my ally you know and and what is that and actually if you start to ask that question and follow the somatic experience that arises when the question is there that's what's taking me through this unfolding of noticing how spirit and and what i am spirit being like the true nature of what I am at the most subtle level, it's relationship between the body and me. So the way that's coming in for me right now is through the spinal cord. And in the central channel of the spinal cord, there is cerebral spinal fluid that bonds the the spirit bonds into the cerebral spinal fluid and then starts to inform the cerebral spinal fluid with the, the pure information of what it is. So that my spirit is then directing my physiology starting at the very most intimate part of my nervous system because the cerebral spinal fluid then bathes the brain and break and bathes the whole spinal cord which has the the plexuses all extend from the spinal cord spinal cord the plexuses being the chakra um the physiological aspects of the chakras right so so when that connection is clear and the self is very right like the self coming into the physiology is very clear and there's no gray area as to what is me and what is not me then the immune system knows this stays over here this stays outside this we keep 
you, you bacteria, you've got this job actually, because you know, we've got so much, we're made up of so many viruses and bacteria <laughs> in our body. Who's running that show? Are they running the show? No, you know, you are running the show, but what is you? And when the spirit comes in and goes, I'm running the show. Okay. All you bacteria you I need you to do this job and you viruses, you do that job. And, and we're going to work together like this. Um, that that's really exciting for me to watch the details of that unfold. And that's kind of like the details that have been showing themselves during the coronavirus period for me. Love it. So tell me if this way I say it, it resonates for you, because I, I wrote about this recently. So it's like you have the healer and the one who wants to be healed. Right. And there's all kinds of different modalities, you know, but, but there's this kind of dynamic of the healer and the healed. So someone comes to you or someone comes to me or someone goes to a, you know, acupuncturist or a chiropractor or a massage therapist or a, um, you know, whatever it is, right. All these different ways and modalities of um, uh, aromatherapy, whatever. Right. So, but it's like, um, or sound healing, whatever it is, it, it, I feel like the underlying dynamic is the same where it's like the person that wants to be healed that the intelligence to heal is inside them and the healer doesn't actually heal the other person they're actually just creating a space in whatever their particular way is their particular um signature is of how they do this they're creating a space that allows the person to relax and open into their own innate intelligence and the blocks the the, the walls, the barriers that are there, you know, are able to be released, to be removed, to be opened. And then they become this, this, uh, the channel, like, you know, you're talking about like the spinal cord. So on a physical level, like that channel opens and then any kind of emotional blocks or trauma or any kind of mental psychological blocks, which all is interconnected, yeah. you know? So this is why, like, when I used to go to, I used to go to a network chiropractor and like, there would be a group, of, we'd be in the room together with other people that are on the tables. And um, I remember, there was multiple times, but I remember this one time in particular, he just gently like touched this, very gently, this part of it was, wasn't like this hard crack, just a gentle touch on someone's mm -hmm. back. And she started just wailing, crying, you know? Wow. And I was sort of new to him, I'm like, what happened? He's like, well, I can't go into details, but basically, you know, sometimes traumas come up when you, when you touch certain parts of the body, they're deep emotional traumas. And it can go the other way too, where you have an emotional trauma and then you have a physical pain associated with it. But healing is just sort of opening up that innate intelligence inside, uh, inside the person that wants to be healed that is already there. You know, it's already there, but you're just making a space that allows it to flow freely. So I don't think it's like, for me, I don't, as, as someone who's the healer, it's not like, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We do. I, I'm just being present to supporting the body's own natural intelligence that actually knows where to go better than I ever could with my, with my thinking mind. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly my excitement. My excitement when I'm sitting with someone is, is zooming in to their uniqueness. Um, what is absolutely unique about them as a being you know and then showing them asking them what is this C can you describe it to me what is it like to be that how are you 
experiencing that in relationship to other aspects that might feel like you, you know, aspects that are not yet included in the experience of this intelligence, like the fundamental aspects of you, you know, and then inquiring around um, the, all the, the nature of all the various aspects, basically. So getting someone in touch with that within their body. And then once they're in touch with it and there's the attitude of acceptance and allowance, it starts to, like you said, fulfill itself and come into places where it wasn't before. And, and when it does that, or when it's trying to do that, when the traumas come up or however you want to call it, resistance, blockages, or whatever. The amazing thing is, is that the challenge is to actually find that intelligence within the resistance or within the blockage. It's not that the true part of me comes in and burns the blockage away and now it's free to fulfill. It's like, it has to come in and go, wait a minute, there's a piece of me that's actually in there. <laughs> there's a piece of my true nature in that resistance or in that trauma. And can I see it? And can I reclaim it? <clears throat> and then when that happens, it's like the intelligence that's being kind of housed within the trauma blossoms and what is absolutely necessary um, about my true nature remains and everything else falls away. So it's this process of revelation, you know, so I like the title healer because that's a lot of what happens when I'm working with someone. But like you said, it's really just helping someone um, feel into their true nature, discover it more for themselves and then be feel self-fulfilled literally filling the spaces of themselves. Mm -hmm. This leads into something. Um, I think that's really important and exciting. I feel like, and another way I really resonate with what you share and it's about, and this is where we kind of, this is really interesting. I think this is what's interesting to me. This is where I, to me, we kind of almost leave what we could call spiritual because I find people who are spiritual or religious or, you know, in the new age thing, there's generally still this kind of duality of this is, this is what it means to be spiritual. And this is not what it means to be spiritual. And this is good. And this is bad. And we're going to keep away from that and keep away from anybody who is that. And we're going to like be, you know, and I'm thinking of Jesus right now, Jesus Christ. Some of you might be familiar with him. He was in the Bible. <laughs> and, um, you know, I grew up actually in Catholic school, so I, we studied a lot of the Jesus. Um, and Jesus would like, he didn't like those religious people. In fact, he, he, he thought they were hypocrites. He didn't want to be around them. He didn't like them. He hung out with like the prostitutes and the lepers and the poor people. And those were like his friends, you know? Um, so the point is, is like, there is this part where it's like, no, I have to integrate this, this part of me that I thought that was bad or was evil or was dark or was shadow. Like I have to, that's, that's part of the divine too. That's part of the sacred too. That's part of the oneness too. Do you want to speak to that? Well, embodiment, I think of it in terms of embodiment and um, 
and in the quest of oneness, it's, you know, <laughs> oneness team sense seems to be this idea that people have that isn't necessarily made practical. And so my challenge to myself over time is, can I really be like one? What does it mean if I'm one with this? Is it just an idea or a feeling or, you know, or will this thing respond to my mind? If we're at one, will it move with me? And is it moving with me? Yeah, I think that's just the question. Is it already doing that? Is it already doing that? Right. And how, and how is it, how are we already breathing and moving together? Um, so yeah, for, for me, when you move into the body, the more you move into the body, you're moving into places that create waste, like shit. <laughs> There's shit inside your body, you know? You're going to just be like, ew, <laughs> I can't go there. <laughs> because if so then there's going to be consequences. Like there's going to be the, the consequences of isolating ourselves from another part of ourselves is suffering in some way and lack of coherence and lack of harmony. And that is going to then reflect into the environment. So the separation that I have with my own materiality my own physicality my own body is then i'm going to project that out into the environment and it's going to show up as separation between me and the people that i love or me and what feels like enemies or me and you know and, um, if, and if you don't like a certain if you if you don't like or haven't integrated a certain part of yourself then you see that out projected out in relationships that you're in and kind of replaying itself out and not recognizing and not realizing it until you get connected to that part of inside yourself, right? Right. So then the suffering compounds. You know, I have like levels of suffering in relationship to the physiology. And then I project that out even farther into my relationships and they reflect the suffering of the separation back. And then it gets even farther into like, you know, out into the world and then it's reflected back in compounding ways. And really all it takes is visiting the seat of it in myself. And all of that stuff changes immediately when that happens. Mm. <clears throat> it feels like like a big, like, like what's the theme of everything that we're touching on? And it's really just, I, I can say it different ways, but it's like an unconditional relationship with the moment or, you know, loving what is, you know, I think that's a Byron Katie or somebody has that title of a book. Um, being with what is and it feels like that is like the core if you want to call it a practice that's the core practice here yeah i feel like acceptance and into surrender is deeply intimate with that core practice it's yeah. one of, i've worked with people you know i have people that i've worked with for like 10 years and it never fails that we always come back to acceptance and it's new levels of what that actually is or surrender um no matter how seasoned the person is in their inquiry or wise or elevated or whatever it's like they can reach this new place and go oh my god i had no idea this was actually what surrender was this whole time <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you know six months later they'll go oh my god i have no idea what i had no idea what surrender was because they're keep continual continually birthing new understandings of surrender through 
just accepting the moment and what's happening. Yeah. And I think a big thing about acceptance and surrender is that for so many people, when you're kind of new to this, it's an idea. Right. And I think that feels like important to kind of parse out because people have this idea of like, except, Oh, it just means people do whatever they want to me. or I'm like a doormat or something. And, but it doesn't, does it mean that, you know, you want to like talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, when you feel it in relationship to your body, the body starts to show, you know, what, first of all, what acceptance is because it's actually a state of being. So your body will show you through contractions and pain, what acceptance isn't and what it is at each new level, you know? So then like letting that be there and, and letting ourselves not accept, like accepting a state of non-acceptance <laughs> is part of it. Um, but I kind of, what was your question? Because I wanted to say something specific after that. It's about acceptance and surrender and this idea that, well, any, there's a lot of different ideas about what it means, right? But one of the ideas where people kind of, um, are challenged is they think, well, if I accept and surrender, then people can do whatever they want to me. They can, they can just take advantage of me, this kind of a thing. Okay. So when we're, when we're feeling into our body, what happens is it takes us through various phases. And then we realize accepting might be surrender. For example, at first is kind of experienced as a, ah, and that can feel like being a doormat when it's in certain situations. But the more the acceptance comes through, it takes you through phases of dying and then rebirthing. So when you're in the phase of dying, it's like letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go, right? And that's the part where people feel like, I can be a doormat. <laughs> but, but the more you let go and let go and there's nothing, 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 then the letting go turns into a building, 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 building an action. So it goes into like passive, active, passive, yeah. active phases of being. And if someone, so, so after being in like acceptance of the moment and experiencing these phases within ourselves, when someone approaches me and there's, there's an impulse that arises, I'm surrendering to the impulse. So yeah. I'm, to that movement of activity and that doesn't look like being a doormat it, it it looks like surrendering into being a warrior for example at times you know yeah it's really it's it's i think it's a great topic because it's like you're surrendering into that intelligence in the body in the in the mind in the heart that we we're talking about and you don't know with your mind what that's going to look like until you're present each moment right that's that's what makes it so magical and miraculous and interesting and fun and exciting you know and i've actually found recently i find i find like i've been very strong in my nose like i've been saying no to a lot of things yeah and and oh <laughs> oh i was <laughs> hearing this no no <laughs> and i have a very strong nose as well but um no i've been i've been uh i've been saying no a lot and it just arises in the moment. It's like, no, I actually don't feel like doing that. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to go that direction. You know, um, yeah. which, which people will say, which is, which is a truism is when you say no, it's a yes. It's always a yes to something else. So it's no is also a yes 
you know, kind of in reverse. Um, but that's, that's what I find is like, there's more this kind of like, just this wide openness to the moment. And then out of that wide openness, something comes out of your mouth, which is yes or no, or I'd love to, or no, thank you. Or, you know, it's kind of this, this emptiness, right? I think it's a really good way to talk about boundaries because that's one of the common themes that people in spirituality talk about as boundaries. And instead of like setting boundaries, if you're just present with who and what you are, that no comes out and there, and it's a clear boundary, but it's not um, a fixation. You know, it's not like, I'm never going to do this thing. This is my boundary. You know, there's no identification with it. There's no, nothing in the mind that goes, I can never do this thing. It's just like in the moment there's a no. And that happens to create a boundary, but it's not because I'm trying to create boundaries or box myself in or, you know. This feels like a really important, this feels juicy. (laughs) So, yes, this is a great topic, and I, I, this has been confusing for me at times, too, is like this whole, first of all, it's like, well, if everything's one, how can there be any boundaries, you know? Um, but it doesn't mean that you don't, you don't stand up for yourself, or you don't say what's right or wrong for you, or yes or no, right? So, but also, it's understanding that what is a yes for me today might be a no tomorrow. Right. I, th- I think that's the key. So I'll be in situations where it's like, somebody will be like, I told you this was a boundary for me. And it's like, well, I don't, when did you tell me a five year? I don't remember you saying it was, a, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like, I can't remember every single boundary every single person has, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, if it becomes a mental thing and you're not actually being alive to the moment, right. you know, but if I'm being really present to you and you're being really present to me, then we're both, we're both crystal clear on like where we want to go and don't want to go together. And it's, it's almost yeah. like, it's not even an issue. It's like, it's not going to be, you know, there could be some minor miscommunication at times with words, but generally speaking, it's like, there's that dance that we're doing together where we, we, we can feel in the moment where we want to go and where we don't want to go. And it feels like that's, that's, that's the most mm, powerful, um, that's the place of awakened consciousness to be together where the other way is it's kind of on that track, but it's, it's like mind-based. It's all mind and mental and thinking and trying to remember and all of these kind of things that are not this deepest level of, of magic and aliveness that comes from this intelligence of the moment. Yeah, I think we're coming back to intimacy again. Yes. Oh, I see it, you know, it, because oneness is actually intimacy, which is different than like, we're all the same. No, there's this unique quality to every expression of creation. And, and yet when there's no space between them, there is intimacy. There's like, <laughs> so we're completely unique and, and we're also one at the same time. And that intimacy creates like the juiciness and the richness of of being, you know? Mm-hmm. And if we're creating, if we're creating separations or blockages to each other, then that intimacy doesn't flourish. And it, when the intimacy is there, then being grows. Yeah, and it feels like there's this, I think people, there's this aliveness that, that, that's, that, comes, that, that comes 
<laughs> there's this aliveness that comes alive, right? There's this kind of like vitality, vibrancy. In other words, it's like when, you, when you're more deeply present in the moment, there's this intimacy that comes from presence and then you're being informed together from the moment. So um, it's almost kind of, kind of like, kind of like uh, entering into what it really means to be alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah, which is which is kind of going beyond the mind, beyond just thinking, thinking mind. And then it creates this whole other possibility of how to relate with each other, right? Mm. And I think the other thing that's that's really interesting is, which is kind of the foundation of all of this, which we haven't really touched on yet, which is is the stillness, right? So you mentioned in your work. You're, you're getting people, you're, you're creating a space for people to access this emptiness or this stillness. And this stillness is emptiness is really the essence of who we really are, what people call spirituality or spirit or different words that people have. So as you practice embracing what is, um, as it arises, there is this natural opening. There's more spaciousness. There's more stillness. There's more emptiness that arises. Does that does that resonate for you? Yeah, I tend to think of stillness as the origin point. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's not really a point, but like yeah. if you go to the origin of yourself, in the center of that is stillness, which for me is actually absolute unmanifest mm -hmm. so, so it's completely nonsense like there's nothing to be sensed there there's no sensor that can appear there and <clears throat> i tend to think of it as um okay so there's the absolute unmanifest and then out of that the experience of the first manifestation you know Mm -hmm. related to you and then farther from that out of this there's a there's a series of dimensions that are birthed if you're looking at it in relationship to the self it looks like the self is birthed from nothing <laughs> and then grows in its complications you know mm -hmm. so the process of spiritual growth is really about diving into that nothing no thing that unmanifest self rebirthing again and discovering what is it that's rebirthing and what is what is that that's rebirthing how does that appear again in the physical if i embody it completely so what's what's birthing out of that source point is new with each iteration you know and the discovery of the quality of that newness is the um the enlightenment so so there's a discovery of wow the quality of that newness now feels like this or the nature of it is this what happens when that completely embeds into the physicality how does the body move how how does the heart express itself like you know what is the spontaneous expression of that quality and then when it's complete, it feels like the stillness is utterly embedded 
within and there's no separation between it and we're in balance. <laughs> That's when the balance is achieved, right? And then inevitably the consciousness goes, ah, we need to, <laughs> we need to figure out what the next like we, were talk like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. need to go to the next yeah. phase. So then something happens and then we fall out of balance and then we realize, wait a minute, the absolute feels separate again. So I have to repeat and go back into the absolute. That's why the absolute is always the ground. You know, it's this, it's the ground that we go to to discover what is me there now? What is that first quality of me that arises? And with each iteration, there's a subtler and subtler aspect of self that appears to be discovered and claimed and then embodied again. Um, so, so for me, that's why the absolute is important to have always as a companion in the process of inquiry because it shows the edge, the edge of our next developmental phase and what wants to be embodied through that, this discovery of that edge. So there's, I think that there's another, there's another misperception of like, if you're entering emptiness or stillness that it's like, you know, I'm thinking of like, the stereotype of like Buddhists, you know, like they're kind of like dull and boring and lifeless. And, but actually it's, it's like, as you enter this, it's like a paradox as you enter this more of the stillness and emptiness, like exactly as you're saying, as I, as I feel that's where like the, the creativity is, that's where the, the vitality is. That's where it's like, it's, 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 there's this engagement in the moment that arises from it. So it's like, to me, it's like you have, yes, there's this, there's this deeper level of relaxation, um, a sense of sort of inner peace, but there's also an excitement, a creativity that you don't access unless you can access the stillness and this emptiness. Well, I think the, so the, the thing, the roadblocks along this path that I've been describing is identification. And that's when we stop at a certain phase of the embodiment or the realization right and some people i've been there get stuck in the absolute feeling like here i am the absolute and all of the the life and the movement is out there but i'm the absolute mm, i don't move <laughs> i don't and it's a it's a phase where it's hard for us to see like actually there's something they're saying that you know mm. and, and i've been in i've been in groups of people who get more and more and more and more still and the life kind of goes out of them because they're so still you know mm. and that's a phase but if if there's not surrender there then that richness of life doesn't actually flood in because you're not like moving into the embodiment with that stillness but then we can get we can get identified at any like we can get identified with the materiality of course and then forget the stillness too so it i think what you're pointing to is when there's a total when the identification is collapsed and the identification being like i am this thing and i'm not that you know I'm over here. I'm not that thing. That's when things get stuck. 
Um, but the flow and the movement and the magic is all when the identification is just collapsed. And yet there's the, the unique Brian-ness there that's moving and relating. And this ties into another subject we love to talk about, to me, it ties into, which is the masculine and feminine. You know, mm. and it's like, there's, if you have a masculine essence, there's some areas you, like when you're talking about like people getting stuck in the stillness, I feel like yeah. that's more of like a, people that have a masculine essence tend to get stuck there more. Then there's ways that feminine can get stuck. And ultimately it's like, there's this integration of the full honoring and appreciation of the divinity of the masculine and the feminine. Um, and then there's that, then there's the dance and harmony um, that ha comes into being through recognizing, you know, the beauty of both these essences, both these, both these, um, yeah, components. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the masculine awareness, like the observer. I tend to think of the math, the kind of primordial masculine or the first level of masculine as related to the witness. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these points being the witness where it can be like, I'm the witness and everything I'm witnessing is separate from me. Mm -hmm. And that is how it, like there's no questioning to that. That's just like a misunderstanding of what I am as just being the witness. And that's, that can tend to be putting someone in a masculine expression, but to the exclusion of their feminine, like you said, and then vice versa. I can, the witness can be utterly inaccessible to me and I can just be, totally independent or totally dependent on what's happening in my environment without a, a center. Yeah. And I think that's where I see the feminine getting caught more is, yeah. you know, there's, there's people in our, and I feel like our community, there's tends to put my emphasis on the feminine as kind of a, as kind of a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a alternative to the mainstream, which is masculine. So, people in the feminist and they're kind of really in the flow and really kind of just, you know, these kind of, you know, feeling this, feeling that, moving all around, you know, but they don't have the stillness, right. you know? So then as you go on the path, there's like, Oh, I'm missing something really essential here, which is actually the foundation of everything. Um, which will allow me to actually be in this kind of graceful flow of the moment, but in a deeper um, way that's rooted, you know? And then with someone in the masculine essence, I find that like, the kind of, yeah, the world is like, feels like, can feel like chaotic and messy and just want to get away from it and avoid it. It's just annoying, you know, and it's keep, it's like keeping me from my spiritual path, but actually no, it's the gateway into your, into the realization of who you really are through learning to embrace that and dance with that and be present with that. Yeah. I think the, the beautiful thing is that when the identifications fall away, then the uniqueness of each being has like a natural expression that has usually, you know, that can tend to like appear to have more qualities than the other or like be more masculine than feminine. Yes. Yeah, that's an important point. Yeah, I agree. But it's just the, it's the uniqueness of the expression of the being. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not like there's somebody there saying i am this thing <laughs> i'm feminine i'm woman i'm masculine i'm man all of that 
drops and there's just the spontaneous pure expression and and yet if you kind of notice the various qualities of spontaneous expression you might go wow that's a really feminine way of being yep and yet it's also androgynous because there's no identification within it yes and so i think this is a really important point it's like because you listen to people like us talk about this and you're listening and you you think like, okay, well, this is what I'm, this is what I should do. This is what I should try to do. Like, but we're not really telling people they should try to do or be anything except really ultimately themselves, you know? And so when you listen to like masculine and feminine, it's like, and you, and you showed me a thread about David data um, a little while ago. And like, you see as people are getting like new to it, it's like, well, I should be more masculine or I should be more feminine. I should be, um, I should be, and a big thing I think I see with people in our community too is like, I shouldn't be masculine or feminine. I should be something that's in the middle of the two, you know? And it's right. like, no, you shouldn't be anything except whatever's going to come through you as you, as you ground in the stillness, as you ground in the emptiness of who you really are, then you'll be a surprise to yourself, right? Of what comes through in the moment. That's the yeah. place you want to be. So it's, it's not a mental idea of I'm trying to be this or I'm trying to be that. It's just from this deep ground of presence, from this deep place of stillness. Um, as you, you mentioned, it's like a point. Sometimes I call it the zero point, mm-hmm. you know? And then something authentic that is uniquely you comes through now, and it comes through now, and it comes through now. And we're all just amazed at what's coming through because, you know, and that's what makes like, honestly, like our conversations, I think so to me, they're so, I find them so amazing, you know? We'll see what other people feel like, but I find them, I find them so amazing is because, because we have that quality together. You know, yeah. there's a sense of like, we're just being alive to the moment and we don't know what's going to come through now or now or now. So it's just so alive. It's like, you know, we're listening to what comes through next as, as much as anyone else listening right now is still listening to what comes through next. Yeah. And I can, I can see how the, the idea of masculine and feminine like if you watch our engagement i was just noticing a few minutes ago how you're directing the conversation you know and and i I was like yes that's so masculine (laughs) but you're not trying to be masculine like that's just who you are and that speaks to our compatibility as two uniquenesses that are compatible in our relating you know Mm -hmm. because i flourish in that direction that you provide and i'm just like ah and then you direct us a little bit differently you know as we're engaging um but yeah so this so this dance is really important i think to to articulate too because there's this idea of like some kind of power dynamic that uh if you're leading you're the one who has the power and the one who's receptive doesn't have the power and this kind of masculine feminine and patriarchy and all the stuff that comes into the consciousness which can happen if things are out of balance or they're distorted or they're fucked up right but like if there is this beautiful dance where yes you could say that i'm that i'm leading and i'm leading based on what i'm receiving from you Right. So I actually don't know where we're going to go next until you inform me. And then I go, oh, okay, we're going, we're going to go here next because that's where, you know, so it's like, it's, we're both being present to each other and the leader and the follower or the, the one who's the directive, one who's the receptive, they're, they're almost like, they're almost 
indifferentiated when you really get this deep space of communion from stillness together. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, because I think you're speaking to the balance. Like the receptive part of you is the feminine, mm -hmm. you know? And so you, even though we're kind of like saying, oh, you're providing this masculine aspect, you're actually really imbalanced because the masculine is there and being receptive to what's coming out of me. And then you receive that and you go, oh, now well, we're going here. Go there. <laughs> let's go there, you know? So I think that's what I wanted to say, especially with someone like David Data, who can be so controversial. For me, what I appreciated about it was not taking on, like not receiving what he was giving and, and put, trying to put it on top of me, but reading and being receptive to what he was offering and then noticing how I fill in the space and relationship to what he's saying. And how I can show up and be more my authentic expression of myself, given the pointers that he's showing, you know, mm -hmm. which feels like maximizing the, what excites me about his information as opposed mm -hmm. to imposing it on myself. Yeah. And I think with this, with this directive, receptive energy, this kind of masculine feminine energy, if the feminine, if, if they feel like, oh, this person really is being present with me, he's really like attentive to me, he, can, he sees me, he gets me, there's this kind of natural opening of trust to um, the direction. Yeah. Right? And, if, and if it's not there, if it's kind of like, well, this guy just, he has an agenda of what he wants and he doesn't really, he's not really paying attention to me, he just has somewhere he wants to go and manipulate me, then if the woman is present herself, she'll notice that and be like, no, not, not opening to you, you know? So that it's, 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 it's like, there is this, um, again, it goes back to that intelligence, right? It's that intelligence that's there that when you're present, it, it, it's, it's leading you what to open to, what to close to, which direction to go, which direction not to go all grounded in this present moment, which comes from this place of, um, this stillness is emptiness. That's, that's ever present here. Yeah, and I think that's the the beauty of working with masculine and feminine as a point of inquiry too, because <clears throat> if I find myself creating relationships where um, that's that's happening, but I don't really know what's happening and the women are like closed to me or they're not, op they're not flourishing or opening, then I can look at, well, what is the balance of masculine and feminine in me when a woman is doing that when i see her closing up if i look at myself then i can go okay what feels masculine in me what feels feminine in me how are those two relating within me and then through the process of surrender to what's happening there i'm actually reclaiming a piece of my authenticity like a piece of myself and then when i that collapses what looks like is masculine and feminine union in myself right and then i show up differently in that union to the next woman or to the same woman or whatever and then i see that there's a different response from the outer and that's so that's such a valuable exploration i just find it invaluable whether you talk about it as yin and yang or masculine and feminine it's this way to like reclaim pieces of our true nature that we otherwise might miss.
and then yeah. embody that for relationships. Mm -hmm. I think it is so essential because it's the yin and the yang is what creates everything. You know, so if you don't understand, if you don't get the yin and the yang and you don't, you don't appreciate and honor the power of both, then you, you don't understand how things move, how things work, the creation of the universe around you. You know, and this is not just, this is not just human beings. This is in a river, in a lake, in a tree, in a bird. You know, everything has this, you know, in the Spanish language and other languages like Italian, I think, right? They, they break this out more of like feminine and masculine. And so you're yeah. just kind of feeling these qualities in things. And it kind of, it, it, for me, it really helps me to understand, oh, okay, they're coming from this perspective. So now I know how to, I know how to communicate. They're coming from this, but I know how to communicate. Um, or I'm dealing, you know, so it's like, it just, as far as manifestation and creation in this world, so in, in the stillness, there is no masculine or feminine. There is nothing. There is no qualities of anything. But then as you go in, and the Tao Te Ching talks about this. Then you, when there's the two, there's the yin and the yang, and out of the two comes the 10,000 things. Yeah. You know? So when you understand those two, just those two, you understand 10,000 things because it's all in all those 10,000 things. Well, that's the most exciting part to me. When you awaken to that primordial masculine and feminine, and every and realize that you are birthing everything that the all those ten thousand things there's levels of mastery that come online that weren't accessible before mm -hmm. yeah and you just can i mean for me i can to kind of bring it back to where we were earlier i can appreciate um whatever qualities i'm seeing in someone else because I know that they're in me. I'm just seeing a reflection of myself, of, of the one self, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think to bring it, to bring Jesus in again, I believe that that was the real message he was talking about, you know, love, love another as yourself. Not because it's some like, you know, good thing to do that's going to bring you some kind of, you know, going to bring you to heaven, but because it's actually the truth. Like yeah. another is yourself, you know, so you're loving another as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, because whoever that person is, whatever their um, unique expression is, they are a direct reflection of you. It's like looking in the mirror, you know? And so that's what's kind of makes this journey kind of fun when it's like, oh, this person really triggers me. There's something about this person that I just, you know, this, this of course happens, happens quite frequently. But when you're on this journey, you get curious about it, you get interested, you know? When you're not in this journey, it's like, oh, that person, they're, they're, they're an asshole. They're, you know, all these, you know, all this projection onto them. But then when you're on this journey, it's more introspective. It's like, why does that kind of a person, because usually it's a, it's a certain archetype or it's a certain kind of person, a pattern. Why is that kind of person, why, why are they triggering me? You know, there must be something in myself that that kind of person represents that I haven't fully come into the wholeness with yet. And so that, that feels like that is like a really important um, part of this journey, you know, and that's where relationships are valuable. Paramount. Yeah. That's where relationships are valuable. Anything that we haven't dived into yet that you feel like inspired to, to share? Mm, not really. I want to turn this beeping off. <laughs> uh, no, I feel You feel fantastic. I feel just 
open and nothing's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is the place we love to be in. Yeah. Right? I always love if I'm like sharing something with a group and I can see everybody's lit up, you know, and it's like, anybody have any questions? And there's like no questions. And I'm like, perfect. Your minds are completely empty. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly where I would like you to be. Um, and questions are great too. Um, yeah. And how do people, how do people find you? How do they find me? Well, yeah. my, um, website is heartbecoming.com and or thesisofia.com it takes you to the same place i'm still on facebook but you know kind of bored of facebook <laughs> not bored of the people that that's a that's a whole other subject but I'm yes not, i understand i'm not bored of the people my friends i'm bored of the the whole setup so i'm doing something new i'm right now i think i'm moving to me we and I'm also starting a, um, a private space to explore the spinal cord and the initiation um, that I've really been heavily into in the past couple of years that's related to Tara and the embodiment of compassion. So that's coming soon, but it's not ready yet. Um, yeah. I think we're complete. Yeah. This is great. Thank you so much for making it happen. We took us a little while, but here yeah. we are. We do it more often. Always do it enjoy. more often. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's cool how like this, I find like doing a podcast, like if we're just talking like informally, we might get into like more like gossip or just kind of, you know, whatever the news or something. And this yeah. kind of keeps us like, I think it's really valuable for us to connect in this way and it kind of makes us stay focused in a way that's really beautiful. Yeah, so, I agree. Thank you for the space. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks everybody. <laughs> See you next time. Thank you for being a part of this amazing community. The Brian Piergrossi Podcast is produced by Brian Piergrossi. Assistant producer, Giovanni Piergrossi. Please subscribe and leave a review or comment on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. You can find me online on Facebook or Instagram. For personal sessions with me, Contact me at thebigglow.com. That's T-H-E-B-I-G-G-L-O-W.com.
thank you for being a part of this amazing community. The Brian Piergrossi Podcast is produced by Brian Piergrossi. Assistant producer, Giovanni Piergrossi. Please subscribe and leave a review or comment on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. You can find me online on Facebook or Instagram. For personal sessions with me, contact me at thebigglow.com. That's T-H-E-B-I-G-G-L-O-W.com.